Okay, can someone say something? Hi. Okay, good. So it's work. It's working with my headphones, which is better than nothing. Um, okay, I'm just letting people in now. I screwed up somehow. I was trying to do, I was trying to um, rip a video and the security plus the software that I was using do not play well together. And now I seem uh, not to be able to use the speak the computer speakers with Zoom, so that's why I'm using my headphones. Um, that explained why you didn't uh, respond to our complimenting your background. Yes, I didn't hear. I didn't hear a word. So, do people know what the background is? Anyone it's recognize London. it? What is it? Is it London? No. It is a Vermeer painting. It's um, the famous painting called The View of Delft. So, um, yeah, I liked it. Okay. Uh, yeah, Nicole. Sorry, this is kind of a super random question since it kind of just came in, but is it okay if my paper is at 1790 for the word count? Yeah. Yeah, but tell no one. Uh, Okay. okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, sure. Um, okay, so, um, and now you've gotten reshuffled, but we, st so, um, yeah, it's, it's Laura's birthday. LV points out that I gave up on the beard. It's Laura's birthday, and she hated the beard, and <laughs> so this was my birthday present to her, and it was one of the more pain in the ass birthday presents that I've ever had to give. It's also not the only one. Just <laughs> don't worry about that. When um, is her birthday? Today. Today. My birthday's tomorrow. Tell her happy birthday. Happy quarantine birthday. Okay. I I will As someone who's thrilled about my quarantine birthday. Yes, I know. <sighs> Nothing like a quarantine birthday. So so I think the thing is you shouldn't count it. And so from here on in you can be uh, you can call yourself a year younger than you actually are because this birthday shouldn't count because you're in quarantine. So does that sound good? Good. We have oh, say happy birthday to Professor Quinney and happy birthday, Cassie, in advance. Still. Happy birthday. <laughs> yes. Thank um, you. Okay. So um, remember what Cleopatra had said in the previous uh in her previous fight with Antony, it is my birthday. I had thought to have held it poor, but since Antony is himself again, I will be Cleopatra. But now he's not, he's dead. So um, you guys got reshuffled, so I'm gonna reassign um, just so that I can keep track of um, who's where. So Tish, why don't you be Cleopatra from O Withered is the Garland of War. Um, Matthew, you can then be Charmian. Uh, Cassie, you can be Iris. Oh, withered is the garland of the war. The soldier's pole is fallen. Young boys and girls are level now with men. The odds is gone, and there is nothing left remarkable beneath the visiting moon. The quietness, lady. She's dead to our sovereign. Lady. Madam. Oh, madam, madam, madam. Royal Egypt, Empress. Peace, peace, Iris. 
no more but e'en a woman and commanded by such poor passion as the maid that knocks and does the meanest chairs it were for me to throw my scepter at the injurious gods to tell them that this world did equal theirs till they had stolen our jewel all's but not patience is sottish and impatience has become a dog that's mad that is that is it sin to rut then it is then is it sin to rush into the secret house of death, ere death dare come to us? How do you women? What, what, good cheer? Why, how now, Charmian? My noble girls, ah, women, women, look, our lamp is spent, it's out. Good sirs, take heart, we'll bury him. And then what's brave, what's noble, let's do it after the high Roman fashion and make death proud to take us. Come away, this case of that huge spirit now is cold. Oh, women, women, come. We have no friend but resolution and the briefest end. Thank you. Okay, so notice then that uh, she's now serious about suicide. That's doing it after the high Roman fashion. Um, that's uh, rushing into the secret house of death, ere death dare come to us. So um, at this point, if she had been planning um, somehow to uh, get the best possible deal uh, from Caesar, she could get a good deal, um, but she isn't. And um, notice also that this is a kind of echo of Antony's comfort to his followers um, or his concern with his followers, that um, Antony to his men, to Eros, and to Enobarbus before that, and to those who he feels that he's um, ruined through his uh, fate, my fortunes have corrupted honest men. Um, now you're getting that same tone in Cleopatra's relation to Charmian and Iris. What, what good cheer? Remember Antony saying, um, I spake this for your comfort, did desire you to burn this night with torches. So what, what good cheer? Why, how now, Charmian, my noble girls? Ah, women, women. So she loves them the way he loves his followers. And um, here again, you see a kind of um, equivalence between them. Okay, now we have Caesar Dolabella, the very interesting Dolabella, um, Dercetus, and um, Agrippa and Mycenas, um, and uh, we'll also, an Egypt, I'll be the Egyptian, we'll need a Procolius. Um, so we are up to Prue, you can be Caesar, Nakul, um, you can be Dolabella, uh, Cheryl, you can be Dercetus, Dercetus, and um, um, uh, Elisa, you can be Agrippa, Italia, uh, Messinas, did I already say Messinas? No, I didn't. Italia, Messinas, and yeah, and I'll be the Egyptian. So let's start from there. Go to him, Dolabella, bid him yield. 
being so frustrated, tell him he mocks the pauses that he makes. Caesar, uh, I shall. Wherefore is that? And what art thou darest appear thus to us? So do you remember that he's the one who grabbed Antony's sword and said, this will put me in tight with Caesar? Um, so, so here he is. I am called Dracetus, Mark Antony I served, who best was worthy, best to be served. While he stood up and spoke, he was my master, and I wore my life to spend upon his haters. If thou please to take me to thee, as I was to him, I'll be to Caesar. If thou pleasest not, I, le I yield thee up my life. What is it thou sayest? I say, O Caesar, Antony is dead. So notice again, we have the report of the death of someone major and the surprise by the person who at least has some ambivalence about the report of the death. So that, uh, again, it's Fulvia when Antony hears of Fulvia's death, then again when Antony hears of Cleopatra's death, and now Caesar hearing of Antony's death. And so Caesar, um, you can see his ambivalence in his next speech. The breaking of so great a thing should make a greater crack. The round world should have shook lines into civil streets, and citizens to their dens. The death of Antony is not a single doom. In the name lay a moiety of the world. So moiety there means half of the world um, because he was the other um, ruler of the Roman Empire. And the idea is everything should be changed. Lions should be roaming the streets and people should be living in lion's dens. That's how much the world is turned upside down. He is dead <laughs> not by a public minister of justice, not by a hired knife, but that self-hand which writ his honor in the acts it did, hath with the courage, with the heart, did lead it, splitted the heart. This is his sword, I robbed his wound of it. Behold, it stained with his most noble blood. Now, one thing to notice here is, um, again, this is, this is a return to that question of how to interpret characters. And again, if you reverse engineer what this scene is doing here and why Dersidus is given as much space as he's given, it's um, this is a parallel with Eros saying, sir, he has, he hath left his treasures um, uh, in his tent. That is, he hasn't taken his stuff. What Dersidus is doing here is he is recognizing that Caesar is going to find the death of Antony something um, major and something that feels like a loss to the universe. Um, that is that Caesar is not gonna say, oh good, I win, it's um, just the way I planned it. Uh, Caesar is, is reacting to the death of Antony psychologically as the death of something really major. Even Caesar can see that. And Shakespeare can't have Caesar spending a lot of time um, talking that way because it wouldn't be his character. Um, he talks that way a little bit and he will in um, his next long speech. But what has to happen is that he has to be recognized as feeling 
this way. And so Dersidus, who is not someone who we have liked in the previous scene, remember he's the one who said, good, this will make my fortune. The way he's trying to make his fortune is by saying to Caesar what is he perceives is really going on in Caesar, which is that Caesar's success is also a great shock because of what the world has now lost. So he recognizes Caesar's recognition of Antony. Caesar himself can't quite say that because it wouldn't be his character, but we need to know that. And so Shakespeare uses Dersidus to make us know that. Does that make sense to people? That it's again one of those places where it's the react where <clears throat> what in movies you would call the reaction shot that's telling you what it is that um, the reactor is reacting to. And uh, this is a really good example of Shakespeare's um, brilliance at doing that, at um, keeping characters consistent with themselves and yet show, or consistent with having characters consistently show um, who they are the way they want to but also allowing us to know more about those characters. Um, so uh, go on, Caesar. Look you sad friends, the gods rebuke me, but it is tidings to wash the eyes of kings. So um, do you have a and comma? Spring. Wait, 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 Prue, in Caesar's first line? Yeah. Where's the comma? Uh, after strange it is. Um, no, 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 sorry. In the look you said in, in line 26. Oh, oh, yes, I do. Where's the comma? Uh, look you said, comma, friends. Okay, so in the, I'll have to look at the full, actually it should say at the bottom. Um, what line is that, 27? This is interesting. Um, so the, yeah, so the folio is um, look you said, friends, and that that's how you read it. That would be a question. Um, no, sorry. The folio, uh, I'm just trying to read the, the bottom of the page. Um, folio is, look you sad friends. So um, there's no comma in the original. So editors have to decide whether to put a comma into it. Tybalt um, puts it as um, the way you did it, Prue, um, which is, look you sad friends. Um, this edition, uh, has it as um, look you sad friends. So uh, that's a thing that an editor or a director or an actor would have to decide whether he's saying all of you are sad, look you sad friends, the gods are rebuking me, but it is tiding to wash the eyes of kings. That is, look, I'm crying too. And that's again, one of those impl implied stage directions um, it, uh, the gods rebuke <coughs> me, but it is tidings to watch <coughs> the eyes of kings. And what he means by that is I shouldn't be weeping. The gods rebuke me for weeping because it's not what I should be doing, but I am. Um, but it's, I think that's an interesting, um, moment of microscopic, um, analysis of an editorial decision 
whether it should be, whether you should just do it the way the folio does it without any punctuation, just the four words, look you sad friends, or whether if you want to punctuate it to make sense of them, whether it should be look you sad friends or look you sad friends. And um, it's, it, you'll have microscopic, it's, it's like a microclimate in San Francisco. It'll be a microscopic uh, difference in how you're perceiving the character and the moment. And this is one of those cases I think where you should choose whichever one you prefer. Um, whichever one makes the play seem best to you, makes the line seem best to you. Okay, go on. Agrippa. And strange it is, and strange it is that nature must compel us to lament our most persisted deeds. His taints and honors waged equal with him. So they're they're mourning. You know, this is a big deal. What happened? A rarer spirit never did steer humanity, but you gods will give us some faults to make us men. Caesar is touched. When such a spacious mirror set before him, he needs must see himself. So, um, Caesar sees in Antony someone who is something like himself, at least in greatness. And they are, they are feeling regret for what they themselves have done. And now Caesar's uh, long speech. Caesar. Oh, Antony, I have followed thee to this, but we do lance diseases in our bodies. I must perforce have shown to thee such a declining day or look on thine. So one or the other of us would necessarily lose. There was no choice. We could not stall together in the whole world, but stall yet- there, I, Stall there means uh, like two horses in the same stall. But yet let me lament with tears as sovereign as the blood of hearts that thou, my brother, my competitor, and top of all design, my mate in empire, friend and companion in the front of war, the arm of mine own body, and the heart where mine his thoughts did kindle, that our stars unreconcilable should divide our equalness to this. Hear me, good friends. But I will tell you at some meter season, the business of this man looks out of him. We'll hear him what he says. Whence are you? So notice that Caesar is interrupted. He's about to have a really self-revelatory speech, but Shakespeare can't have that. So in comes the Egyptian. So whence are you? Where are you from? A poor Egyptian yet, the queen, my mistress, confined in all she has, her, um, her monument of thy intense, so all she has, just to explain that, she's confined in the last thing that she still owns, which is her monument. She's confined in everything she still owns. So confined in all she has, her monument, of thy intense desires instruction, that she preparedly may frame herself to the way she's forced to. Bid her have good heart. She soon shall know of us by some of ours how honorable and how kindly we determine for her. For Caesar cannot live to be ungentle. So the gods preserve thee. Come hither, Proculius. Go and say we purpose her no shame. So do you remember who Proculius is? 
So Antony in his, in his dying words to Cleopatra says, trust none about Caesar, but Proculius. Proculius. So Antony has told Cleopatra she should trust Proculius. And now here he is. That was um, a setup for the, um, just, just alerting you to the fact that Proculius is now going to be, um, have some interaction with Cleopatra and now um, Caesar is sending him to do so. So give go her, on Caesar, sorry. Give her what comforts the quality of her passion shall require, lest in her greatness by some moral stroke she do defeat us. For her life in Rome would be eternal in our triumph. Go and with your speediest bring us what she says and how you find of her. So he's sending Proculius to make sure that Cleopatra doesn't do what? Kill herself. Kill herself, yeah and defeat his intent, which is to lead her in triumph in Rome. Remember, triumph there doesn't just mean that you win. It means that you have a parade in which you um, show the million citizens of Rome um, whom you have defeated, and you show them humiliated. And so the Egyptian comes in, there's this little conversation and whatever it was that Caesar was going to say that was um, powerfully um, sympathetic to Antony, it doesn't seem like that sympathy also goes to Cleopatra. She is a trophy. Um, Procilius? Was that me too? Okay, Caesar, I shall. Gallus, go you along. Where's Dolabella? To second Proculius? Dolabella! Let him alone, for I remember now how he's employed. He shall in time be ready. Go with me to my tent, where you shall see how hardly I was drawn into this war. How calm and gentle I proceeded, still in all my writings. Go with me and see what I can show in this. So... Um, he's still feeling a little bit guilty. Now, again, a little microscopic reverse engineering. Why isn't Dolabella there? Why does he call upon Dolabella and then remember that he's busy? Any guesses? He already asks Dolabella to go to him. Yeah, but what is... Why does he call on Dolabella and then, so, okay, uh, uh, j just, we, we really should try to finish today um, at two. Um, but, but uh, so, so let me just suggest this. Um, we're, yeah, Cassie. I don't know if this is what you're getting at at all, but this is like not within the context of the plot, but like an external reason. Could Dolabella be doubled with someone who was in the last scene? Um, Dolabella, uh, do you have someone in mind? Um, not really. I guess okay. one of the not Cleopatra. <laughs> yeah, okay. So there is a famous argument that, um, and I don't know whether it's helpful or not, but there is a famous argument that uh, Stephen Booth, who was a Shakespearean at Berkeley made, that Dolabella is doubled with Antony. And um, so that's a neat idea. I don't think it would be that hard for Dolabella to come in when he's called. Um, and we'll, we'll, see it, we'll see in a scene or two why Booth makes that argument. Um, but I think 
purely on in terms of the script rather than the possibility of doubling, but I think that's always something to be think about to be thinking about who's being doubled with whom. For example, would Octavia be doubled with Cleopatra? Or would Octavia be doubled with one of Cleopatra's um, uh, women? Uh, that seems pretty obvious. It may not be interesting, but it seems pretty obvious. Um, but the Dolabella and Antony should be double. That becomes really interesting. But at any rate, um, two things are happening here. We're being told that Dolabella and Proculius are being sent on the same mission which means that they will have the same um, orders, the same, um, uh, the same knowledge of what it is that they're supposed to do. Um, we've seen Proculius, who we're supposed to trust, but the only thing he says is, I will do exactly what you have ordered me to do. And we haven't seen Dolabella's response. We saw him earlier, but we haven't seen his response to the order to trick Cleopatra so that she won't be able to kill herself so that Caesar will be able to um, bring her in to bring her through Rome in triumph. And um, Dolabella is going to do something surprising. Um, and in order for it to be a surprise, uh, we don't Shakespeare doesn't want to commit him either um, to um, agreeing with Caesar or not agreeing with Caesar. So Shakespeare is just, you know, it's a, it's a little TV trope, um, a little Elizabethan theater trope, um, which is know that Dolabella is on the same mission, but don't um, show how he reacts to that mission. Here's how to do it. Um, have Caesar say, yeah, Dolabella is going to join you. Dolabella, where are you? Oh, yeah, I remember you're busy. Okay, it's fine. Um, so that's what's going on here. Um, okay, so um, now we have Cleopatra, Charmian, Iris, and Percilius. Um And yeah, I think we can do that. So we are up to uh, Talia. Um, oh, were you in the last scene? Yeah, you were. Right, Talia? Yeah. Um, but you only had like one line. So why don't you be Cleopatra? Um, Amory, you can be um, uh, Perculius in this one. And um, um, Elvie, can you be Char Charmian? And um, then... Uh, Grace, can you be Dolabella? And I think that's all we need. Yeah, that's all we need. My desolation does begin to make a better life. Tis paltry to be Caesar, not being fortune, but he's fortune's knave, a minister of her will. And it is great to do that thing that ends all other deeds, which shackles accidents and bolts up change, which sleeps and never pallets more than more the dung, the beggar's nurse and Caesar's. Okay, so stop there for a second. So my desolation does begin to make a better life. So everything is desolate, but now she sees a possibility. Um, that is their desolation itself um, gives her a possibility 
that um, uh, makes her optimistic, optimistic, but optimistic about what? About not being Caesar. And then this great observation, tis paltry to be Caesar. Remember what Lepidus had said? Would you praise Caesar? Say Caesar, go no further. But she's taking the opposite view. Tis paltry to be Caesar, not being fortune, he's but fortune's knave, a minister of her will. That is, yeah, he's lucky, but that doesn't mean that he is powerful. It's always fortune that's powerful. Not being fortune, he's but fortune's knave, a minister of her will. And it is great to do that thing that ends all other deeds. So that's suicide, to do the thing that ends all deeds. So that has to be the greatest deed of all. That thing which shackles accidents and bolts up change. That is, you get complete control because nothing else can happen to you. Which sleeps and never pallets more the dumb. Um, so never pallets there means tastes. So the thing which gives you sleep and you never have to taste the dung of reality anymore, the dung which is the beggar's nurse and Caesar's. So um, there's that word beggar again. And we are all made of dust, but also we all, all every, all the food that we eat, all the things that we need to live, um, all of those come from dung. The world is a dunghill, and which is which is a standard trope, saying that the world is a dunghill, and um, and there's the beggar, Caesar and the beggar, they're the same, uh, the beggar's nurse and Caesar's. So yet again, a reference to the beggary in the love that can be counted. Okay, Procilius. Caesar sends greeting to the queen of Egypt and bids thee study on what fair demands thou needst to have him grant thee. What's thy name? My name is Proculius. Antony did tell me of you, bade me to trust you, but I do not greatly care to be deceived that have no use for trusting. If your master so, would so have- So just, just, just to explain that, it's um, you, deceive me if you like. I don't need, any, I don't need trust, so um, it's not, oh, I don't care for um, anchovies on my pizza. It means I don't care if they're anchovies or not. So just understand that, it, that it's uh, the opposite of what it might look like in modern um, idiom. Um, so so uh, I, don't, I do not greatly care if you deceive me since I have no use for, uh, for trusting, she says. Go on. If your master would have a queen his beggar, you must tell him that majesty to keep decorum must no less beg than a kingdom. If he please to give me conquered Egypt for my son, he gives me so much of mine own as I would, I will kneel to him with thanks. So here she's being a beggar. Her son is Caesarian. That is uh, her son by Julius Caesar. And that's what she's begging for. Go on. Cheer, you're fallen into a princely hand, fear nothing. Make your full reference freely to my Lord, who is so full of grace that it flows over on all that need. So what does that sound like? Oh, the- Hail Mary. Over- Hail Grace, yeah. 
what, overflowing the measure, the yeah. So he's full of grace. <laughs> yeah, he's full of grace. In fact, he overflows with grace. So that's a lie. That's not Caesar. He never overflows. Let me report to him your sweet dependency, and you shall find a conqueror that will pray in aid for kindness, where he for grace is kneeled to. Pray you tell him, I am his fortune's vassal, and I send him the greatness he has got. I hourly learn a doctrine of obedience, and would gladly look him in the face. This I'll report, dear lady. Have comfort, for I know your plight is pitied, of him that caused it. Keep going. Percolius. It's it's Gallus. Gallus for me. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Um, let's see what the folio says. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be. That was a later editor um, who figured that. Uh, Yeah, it, it 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 would depend. You you'd have to. It would depend how you played it on on stage. Um, Perkil, who would Perkilius say? You see how easily she may be surprised too. Um, well, either the people who have planned to surprise her. So what's happening here is he's talking to Cleopatra. Some other Roman soldiers um, come in behind her and grab her um, and imprison her. So, and then someone says, you see how easily she may be surprised, guard her till Caesar come. Uh, the folio says Percolius, um, uh, Malone, who is one of the great editors of Shakespeare, um, thought it made more sense for the person who's just done that, who has just uh, surprised her and bound her to be the one who then says to Percolius, you see, we did it. You see how easily she may be surprised. It doesn't matter much, but um, <coughs> I would go with the folio. Iris. Who's I? Oh, did I, I not assign? assign? You didn't assign right. Iris. Oh, darn. Okay, so we need an Iris and a. Um, uh, I thought I did. We need an You're Iris. Charmian, but not Iris, I think. Uh, okay, so um, LV, can you be Iris? And Grace, uh, actually, I... I am Charmian. Oh, okay. Grace, can you be Iris? Um, I was uh, Dolabella. That's okay. Uh, oh, you can, said, that's right. All right be I'll be Iris. Iris. Okay, go, go for it. Me, royal yeah. queen. Oh, Cleopatra, thou art taken, queen. Quick, quick, good hand. Hold, worthy lady, hold. Do not yourself such wrong, who are in this relieved but not betrayed. What of death too, that rids our dogs of languish? That is, I'm relieved even of death when dogs want to die when things are terrible? Okay, go on. Cleopatra, do not abuse my master's bounty by the- So notice the word bounty there? Again, it's all, it's like Caesar is taking over all the words that apply to Antony, or trying to, but, but we, we know how hollow they sound when they're applied to Caesar. Okay. Let the world see his nobleness well acted, which your death will never let come forth. Where art thou, death? Come hither, come. Come, come, and take a queen worth many babes and beggars. Oh, temperance, lady. Sir, I will eat no meat. I will not drink, sir. If idle talk will once be necessary, I'll not sleep neither. This mortal house I'll ruin, do Caesar what he can. Know, sir, that I will not wait... Pin... How do you say that? Pinioned. 
pinioned at your master's court, nor that once be chastised with the sober eye of Dol Octavia. Shall they hoist me up and show me to the shouting varletry of varletry? So you know what a varlet is. A varlet is a low-born person. You varlet. So, so the plebeians. Varletry of censoring Rome. Rather a ditch in Egypt be gentle grave unto me. Rather on Nilus's mud lay me stark naked, and let the waterflies blow me into abhorring. Rather make my country's high pyramids my gibbet and hang me up in chains. So notice the third person imperatives there. And rather a ditch in Egypt be gentle grave unto me. So, um, and uh, notice that that's what Enobarbus has also said. I will find some ditch in which to die. Um, Precolius? You do extend these thoughts of horror further than you shall find cause in Caesar. Proculius, what thou hast done, thy master Caesar knows, and he hath sent for thee. For the queen, I'll take her to my guard. So, Dolabella, it shall content me best. Be gentle to her. To Caesar, I will speak what you shall please, if you'll employ me to him. Say I would die. So that's an amazing four syllables from her. Just say I would die. Um, there's a famous, any of you read The Wasteland? We talked about Elliot a little bit, right? Um, so there's, uh, is it the Wasteland or is it the love song J.F. or Prufrock that has the, uh, um, famous epigraph with the Kamean Sibyl? Um, yeah, it's the Wasteland. So they, they said to the Kamean Sibyl, um, who was now in prison. Do people know, know this? It's in Latin and Greek. So, uh, you may not have. Uh, had an addition with a translation, but the Cumaean Sibyl is, um, I think this is from Lucan, the Cumaean Sibyl is imprisoned and um, all the people are taunting her and she's in a cage and um, someone says to her, Sibyl, what do you want? Um, Sibyl quid volis? And she replies, um, apothenaten thelo, which is Greek. She replies in Greek. And um, what that means is, um, I want to die. And that's a very, very famous moment. And I think uh, Shakespeare is, is intentionally, Shakespeare liked Lucan, and he's intentionally um, making Cleopatra echo that moment. So um, exit Procilius, and here's Dolabella. And well, yeah, go ahead, amazing scene. Most noble empress, you have heard of me? I cannot tell. Assuredly, you know me. So just stop there. Again, this is a micro moment, but one that I really, really love, which is that Dolabella wants a place in the story too. He wants to know that Cleopatra knows who he is. Um, it matters to him that he's not a total nobody. And what you can tell just, you know, again, why those lines, um, well, that you can tell that his relation to her is not like Proculius's. That Proculius's relation to her was, you see how easily she may be surprised. With Dolabella, he's appealing to her. Um, he wants to think that he is someone that Cleopatra knows who he is. And so I just love that, assuredly you know me. She says, I cannot tell 
Assuredly, you know me. And then her reply is, No matter, sir, what I have heard or known, you laugh when boys or women tell their dreams. Is it not your trick? I understand not, madam. I dreamt there was an Emperor Antony. Oh, such another sleep that I might see, but such another man. So now he's simply part of the dreams. It's, this is her version of since Cleopatra died. And um, again, notice that she does know who Procolius is. I'm sorry, I should have said that as well. That uh, she says when she meets Procolius, oh yes, Antony told me about you and that I should trust you. Um, but she doesn't know or care who Dolabella is. Nevertheless, she's going to tell him her dream. So what Stephen Booth says about Dolabella um, and why he suggests that Dolabella and Antony should be doubled is um, he calls Dolabella Cleopatra's last conquest. And um, that might be a little bit um, over... Um, the vocabulary might not be quite appropriate, but um, I think it's a good point that Dolabella, um, again, is the person still reacting to Cleopatra as someone who is, um, sees her and falls and, 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 and understands how you could be in love with her, um, just as Antony has been in love with her. So it's not just Antony. It's anyone who is uh, decent, any male in this play who is um, open to what is amazing about Cleopatra will be open to what is amazing about Cleopatra. Uh, okay, go on. If it might please you. His face was as the heavens, and therein stuck a sun and moon, which kept their course and lighted, the little O, the earth. Most sovereign creature. His legs bestrid the ocean, his reared arm crested the world. His voice was proprietored as all the tuned spheres, and that to friends, but when he meant to quail and shake you. Whoops, he, was as, okay, he was sorry. as... Sorry, I was on mute. He was as rattling thunder. For his bounty, there was no winter in it, and autumn twas that grew the more by reaping. Hey, his stop, stop, stop. So do you think an autumn twas is right? Remember, that's an emendation. Didn't you say it was like an Antony? Yes. So what it says in the folio, remember we talked about how the U's are upside down and how easy it is to can can um, confuse U's with N's when you're a typesetter. Um, so what it actually says in the folio is, and for his, for his bounty, there was no winter in it. And Antony, it was that grew the more by reaping. Um, notice that if it is Antony, uh, or that it's being Antony, um, she gets a nice little uh, dirty um, pun in there that grew the more by reaping. Um, that is, he um, grew more erect every time she put her hand to his stalk, not to be too um, overt about it. And, um, but all of the cases that we've seen Anne Antony in this play, I think they climax here. That is that Antony here is being, of course, you're expecting a contrast with winter. You're expecting as a contrast with winter some other season. 
and autumn makes sense. And she clearly has autumn in mind, but Antony is someone who even transcends autumn. He transcends that allegorical figure, a better contrast with winter, even than autumn is, would be Antony. And I think, and I've argued in print, um, that uh, at the same time, extremely overt, yes, um, that uh, all the uses of an Antony in this play, just over and over and over again, we've seen that phrase. You don't see a Lear or a Hamlet or an Othello, although there is a play called an Othello, um, uh, uh, um, a 20th century play, but you don't, you don't have those indefinite articles with proper names, but you have it all over the place in Antony and Cleopatra. And I really think this is the climactic um, moment, the reason what all of those Anne Antonys in the play are finally leading to. And Antony twas that grew the more by reaping. Okay, go ahead, Talia. His delights were dolphin-like. They showed his back above the element they lived in. In his livery walked crowns and crownettes, realms and islands were as plates dropped from his pocket. So again, that's his astonishing generosity, um, that wherever he went, there was just stuff, um, wealth um, scattered behind him everywhere that he went. And then his delights were dolphin-like. So all the doll, all, all, everything he loved was like a dolphin carrying him through the waves. And um, they showed him higher than the element that they lived in. His delights were human delights, but um, what they did was they bore him like Arian above the waves, above the element of water, and made him the great figure that he was. So Dolabella? Cleopatra. Think you there was or might be such a man as this I dreamt of? Gentle madam, no. You lie up to the hearing of the gods, but if there were but if there be nor were nor ever were one such, it's past the size of dreaming. Nature wants stuff to vie strange forms with fancy, yet imagine an Antony where nature's peace against fancy, condemning shadows quite. So um, that's a really interesting speech and um, worth thinking about. But what she's basically saying is, first she says, do you think someone like this person that I had a dream of, and she's talking about her life, that was a dream, um, could exist. And Dolabella always trying to comfort her. Gentle madam, no. Um, but then Cleopatra has this amazing response, which is, um, it's past the size of dreaming. That is, no human being could imagine someone like Antony. He had to exist because the human mind could not, no matter how um, much it fantasized, no matter how great its powers of fancy or imagination, could not come up with someone as great as Antony. To imagine an Antony were nature's peace against fancy. That is, 
nature can show that she is able to imagine something that the fancy could never imagine. And this is her proof that she is greater than the imagination, that she actually made Antony exist. And if Antony did not exist, he could not be imagined. He can only be imagined because he's real. Nothing unreal could be summoned up as great as Antony was. Okay, Dolabella. Hear me, good madam. Your loss is as yourself, great. And if and you bear it as answering to the weight. Would I might never or take pursued success, but I do feel by the rebound of yours a grief that smites my heart at root. Great. Um, I'm sorry, let me just um, interrupt you one more time. Um, uh, Nature's Peace Gains Fancy, Condemning Shadows Quite. Any ideas for what he might have been writing on his other desk at that moment? Is it Macbeth? Yeah, no, he is writing Macbeth. Um, so where, what in Macbeth would he be writing that same day? Uh, I was thinking the Tomorrow, Tomorrow speech, um, yeah. Life is but a walking shadow. Right. So in Macbeth, who's just lost Lady Macbeth, life itself is only a walking shadow, a poor player. Remember that shadow means actor also. Um, that is that um, if we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended. So here, um, it could be condemning actors quite also, that no one could represent Antony. I think there's a, um, a hint of that, a subtext of that. But also, yeah, if he, is, if he himself is doing what we're trying to do, which is to um, see the interaction and, and balance between Antony and Cleopatra on the one side and um, Macbeth on the other side. Then Macbeth's despair at the death of Lady Macbeth, um, all life is, is um, a poor shadow um, versus Cleopatra's extravagance. Um, nature's peace gainst fancy, condemning shadows quite. You could see this as Shakespeare writing a speech which condemns Macbeth, um, Cleopatra versus Macbeth, and um, Cleopatra con um, condemns shadows, whereas Macbeth thinks that it's all shadows. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so Dolabella then replies, your losses as yourself, great. That is, I feel how you're feeling, and it causes me grief, a grief that smites my very heart at root. Cleopatra? I thank you, sir. Know you what Caesar means to do with me? I am loath to tell you what I would you knew. Nay, pray you, sir. Though he be honorable. He'll lead me then in triumph. Madam, he will, I know it. So Dolabella tells her the truth. So Antony had told her to trust Bracallius, but that turns out to be wrong. But Dolabella does tell her the truth. Okay, in, did I assign someone to Caesar to someone? Um, Sun Kyung, can you be Caesar? Yeah. Okay. So make way there, Caesar! 
Which is the queen of Egypt? It is the emperor, madam. Arise, you shall not kneel. I pray you rise, rise, Egypt. Sir, the gods will have it thus. My master and my lord, I must obey. So one just very quick thing to notice is that he doesn't know which of those, which of the people there is Cleopatra. So despite all her fame, he doesn't recognize her. Uh, think of Portia coming in in that famous moment in The Merchant of Venice and um, saying, which is the merchant here and which the Jew? That is, she can't tell, you can't tell who's who. Um, everyone thinks that it's obvious who everyone else is, um, but no, they're all people. Um, yeah, that's good, uh, Tommy, about rise Egypt. Um, but, and remember that Antony said to her twice, I am dying Egypt, dying. So now this is Caesar's um, uh, response or the plays making Caesar respond to that, rise Egypt. Okay, go on. Take your, take your hard thoughts, record of what endures you did us, the written in our flesh, we shall remember as things that done by chance. Soul, sir, the world, I cannot pro project mine own cause so well to make it clear, but do confess that I have been laden with like frailties, which before have often shamed our sex. Cleopatra, no, we will extenuate rather than enforce. If you apply yourself to our intents, which towards you are most gentle, you shall find a benefit in this change. But if you seek to lay on me a cruelty by taking Antony's course, you shall be bereave yourself of my good purposes and put your children to that destruction which I'll guard them from. If they're on your rely, I'll take my leave. So what's he threatening? To, What's he, to kill yeah. her children if, if she doesn't obey? If she kills herself. So taking Antony's course. Um, if you seek to lay on me a cruelty, that is to do cruelty to me by taking Antony's course, that is by killing yourself, then not only will you not understand that my purposes to you were good, but also I'm going to kill your kids if you do that. Um, and if you don't do that, so he's holding her kids hostage, essentially, is what he's saying to her. Um, and then he says, and I'll take my leave. So this is Caesar at his cruelest. Cleopatra? And may through all the world tis yours, and we your scutcheons? Scutcheons. Scutcheons, and yeah. your signs of conquest shall hang in what place you please. Here, my lord. So scutcheons means um, heraldic shields. So it's, um, it's like banners and pennants. You shall advise me in all for Cleopatra. This is the brief of money, plate, and jewels I am possessed of. Tis exactly valued, not petty things admitted. Where's Seculus? So yeah, here, madam. This is my treasurer, let him speak, my lord, upon his peril that I have reserved to, to myself nothing. Speak the truth, Seleucus. So again, notice that even at this last moment, what we're about to find out is that, um, yeah, that's, that, um, that's good, Tish. Um, 
that the rule is that people should know who's who. So it has to be um, intentional that, um, as in the Merchant of Venice, that Caesar doesn't know who's who. That Cleopatra turns out to be her, whatever it is that is magnetic about her, um, bewitching about her, is not just that she is um, obviously good looking or charismatic. It's gotta be something deeper. Okay, so Cleopatra here, Shakespeare, even at this last moment, is making her um, someone who is calculating what will be best for her. Because what um, uh, he's about to say is that, no, this is not an accurate balance sheet. No, she hasn't released her income taxes. So, madam, I had rather seal my lips than to then to my peril speak that which is not. What have I kept back? Enough to purchase what you have made known. So you've told him you're, you're underestimating your possessions by at least 50%. Nay, blush not, Cleopatra. I prove your wisdom in the deed. So he said, yeah, you did the right thing. See, Caesar, oh, behold, how pompous followed. Mine will now be yours, and should we shift estates, yours would be mine. The ingratitude of this Seleucus doesn't even make me wild. O oh, slave of, more, of no more trust that love the tired, what goest thou back? Thou shalt go back, I warrant thee, but I'll catch thine eyes, though they had wings. Slave, soulless villain, dog, a rarely base. So she's really pissed off at this final betrayal. Good queen, let us entreat you. O oh, Caesar, what a wounding shame is this, that thou vouchsafing here to visit, doing, thy, doing the honor of thy lordliness to one so meek that mine own servant should parcel the sum of my disgraces by addition of his envy. Say, good Caesar, that I some lady trifles have reserved, in moment toys, things of such dignity as we greet modern friends withal, and say some nobler token I have kept apart for Livia and Octavia, to induce their meditation, must I be unfolded their with one? Their mediation. mediation. So yeah I, kept, yeah, I kept some money so that I could give some of my friends um, gifts and also so that I could give money to Livia and Octavia. Livia is Augustus's wife, the one who uh, will poison him with figs perhaps, um, to induce their mediation, to get them on my side. With one that I have bred, the gods, it smites me beneath the fall I have. Prithee, go hence, or I shall show the cinders of my spirits through the ashes of my chance. Wert thou a man, thou wouldst have mercy on me. So, um, yeah, if you were a man, you wouldn't have um, busted me the way you did. And you can still see that um, all my life has turned to ashes, but there's still cinders there that can burn you. Yeah. Be it known that we, the greatest, are misthought for things that others do, and when we fall, we answer others' merits in our name, and therefore to be pitied. So that's the opposite of what Canidius has said about who takes credit for, um, for uh, victories in battle. Here it's um, who gets the blame for things that go wrong and it's we the greatest who get the blame. Caesar? 
Cleopatra, now what you have reserved, nor what knowledge, but could we in the role of conquest still be yours? Bestow it at your pleasure and believe Caesar is the merchant to make price with you of things that merchants sold. Therefore, be cheered. Make not your thoughts your presence, no dear queen, for we intend so to dispose you as yourself shall give us counsel. Feed and sleep. Our care and pity is so much upon you that we remain your friend and so adieu. My master and my lord. Not so, adieu. So he's saying, I'm not your master and I'm not your lord. We're equals. Um, we're going to do with you what you tell us to do. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not going to um, haggle with you about things. I'm not a merchant. I'm too great for that. And um, I will credit you with your own greatness. So goodbye to Caesar and his train and then Cleopatra. I love I these lines. Question. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Before these lines that you left, sorry. Um, yeah, that's fine. So, so Cleopatra at this point knows that Caesar, you know, is going to like show her to all of Rome, etc. Yeah. Um, so, is he like acting as if he isn't going to do that by referring to her as an equal? Like, is yes. he lying to her, but he doesn't know that she knows? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, he doesn't know what Dolabella has told her. So he's just worried that she's going to kill herself and he will lose um, the great triumphal moment. That's what he said when he sent Procolius out to begin with. Uh, he'll lose the great triumphal moment that he'd been anticipating. He words me, girls, he words me that I should not be noble to myself, but hark thee, Charmian. So he words me. This is all just a line of BS. It's all words. And then Iris's wonderful lines. Isn't there an Iris? Grace, weren't you Iris? Um, no, I'm Dolabella. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry. I was muted. Oh, okay. Finished, good lady. Right. Yeah. Finished, good lady. The bright day is done, and we are for the dark. Just so I beautiful. Hi thee again, I have spoke already and it is provided. Go put it to the haste. Adam, I will. So what has she whispered to Sherman? To take the snake here? Yeah, yeah, she says, go, go do it. Um, it's all set, so hurry up and do it. So we don't yet know what, but we, the audience, don't know what, but of course we, the, we, the class, do know what. Okay, here's Dolabella. Where's the queen? Behold, sir. Dolabella. Madam, as there she's sworn by your command, which my love makes religion to obey, I tell you this. Caesar through Syria intends his journey, and within three days you and your children will he send before. Make your best use of this. I have performed your pleasure in my promise. So he's telling her everything she needs to know. Dolabella, I shall remain your debtor. I, your servant, adieu, good queen, I must attend on Caesar. Farewell and thanks. Now, Iris, what thinkest thou? Thou, an Egyptian puppet, shall be shown in Rome as well as I. Mechanic slaves with greasy aprons, rules, and hammers shall uplift us to the view. In their thick breaths, rank of gross diet, shall we be enclouded and forced to drink their vapor. The gods forbid. Nay, tis most certain, Iris. 
Saucy lictors will catch at us like strumpets and scald rhymers ballad us out to. Uh, the quick comedians extemporarily will stage us and present our Alexandrian rebels. Antony shall be brought drunken forth and I shall see some squeaking Cleopatra boy, my greatness in I the posture of a whore. In the posture of a whore, yeah. Posture. So that's, she's, she's using the word boy there as a verb. Um, and so she's saying, here's how everyone is going to receive our story. Um, that Antony will look like a drunkard and I will see um, some boy, some squeaking Cleopatra, some boy, um, turn my greatness, boy my greatness, turn it into what boys um, can act as actors in the posture of a whore. So it seems pretty clear that this is Shakespeare saying, yeah, these are the representations. She's predicting how she will be represented, how they will be represented in the future. And she is claiming those predictions as inaccurate ones. So if you want, you know, it's always good and almost always hard to try to figure out Shakespeare's own perspective on his plays because he's giving you everyone's perspective. But here's a case where he is describing other versions of the story of Antony and Cleopatra. And um, it's Cleopatra who is saying, here's how I will be represented, but that's wrong. And that feels like Shakespeare telling the audience, yeah, it is wrong. Um, Iris? Oh, the good gods. Nay, that's certain. I'll never see it, for I am sure my nails are stronger than mine eyes. Why, that's the way to fool their preparation and to conquer their most absurd intents. Now, Charmian, show me, my women, like a queen. Go fetch my best attires. I am again for Sidness to meet Mark Antony. So Sira, what does that mean? Wait, wait, what does that mean? That she's going to die and see Antony again. Yeah, it's going to be like the first time they met on the river Sidness. That's what Ina Barbas has described. And she's going there again. That's just great. I'm again for Sidness to meet Mark Antony. Okay. Sira Iris, go. Now, noble Charmian, will dispatch indeed, and when thou hast done this share, I'll give thee leave. To play until doomsday, bring our crown and all. So when you've done this, you can play till the end of time. And she's dressing for her death. Bring our crown and all. Where's the noise? Here's, all right, here's a rural fellow that will not be denied your highness' presence. He brings you figs. So remember what we like long life better than. Well, she gets figs instead of long life. Let him come in. What poor an instrument may do a noble deed. He brings me liberty. My resolution's placed and I have nothing of woman in me. Now from head to foot, I am marble constant. Now the fleeting moon, no planet is of mine. So saying I have nothing of woman in me does not mean I'm um, now pure male. It means I'm no, more, no longer human. Um, I have transcended the human. Okay, this is the man. Avoid and leave him. Hast thou the pretty worm of Nilus here that kills and pains not? Yeah, so the worm of Nilus is the asp. It's the snake that lives by the Nile River. Truly, I have him but I would not be the party that should desire you to touch him for his biting is immortal. So what is Shakespeare doing that? 
Yeah, Nicole, he, good, good point. Sorry. Is he perhaps referencing the biblical snake that, I, I don't know, like to me that seems as though it's a biblical reference, like the snake, you know, is essentially immortal and like the knowledge that he gives to humankind. So you, you, yeah, I, th I think snakes always are. Um, but I think that what you have here is a clown. I don't know if everyone has the same speech prefix, but basically he's making the same mistakes that in comedies, um, the, the um, ignorant um, people like Dogberry um, in Much Ado About Nothing, um, uh, people who are using a vocabulary they don't understand. So the joke here, and the audience would laugh nervously, is what he means is his biting is mortal. That is, if he bites you, you die. Um, and, but he doesn't, his vocabulary isn't up to what he thinks it's up to. Um, and uh, so he says his biting is immortal, but of course that's true. That is to say that um, when he bites Cleopatra, when Cleopatra dies, then she becomes, whether in some afterlife where she and Antony will meet, or simply as a figure who is the Cleopatra that we know of and read plays about and watch plays about, she has become immortal at the time of her death. Her death makes her immortal. So that's not what he means to say. He's just telling her that the asp has to be used as directed or there could be fatal consequences, but that's what Shakespeare means him to say. So, and then the hilarious line, those that do die of it do seldom or never recover. Um, so yeah, if you do, not too many people recover from death. Um, but that might again remind you of Ina Barbus's use of the word die um, the first time that he uses it about Cleopatra, that if Antony leaves Egypt, she will die. Um, if you leave Egypt, Cleopatra, the, the empress shall die. And he says, I have seen her die scores of times on far less occasion. So it's also part of the joke about, oh, I'm dying. You're killing me. This is terrible. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, but it's also the sexual use of die. So those that do die of the worm, of the snake, which is therefore, we will all agree, phallic, um, do seldom or never recover. So Cleopatra is amused. Rememberest thou any that have died on it? Very many, men and women too. I heard of one of them no longer than yesterday, a very honest woman, but something given to lie. So not a very honest woman. Um, it's amazing. This is like the porter in Macbeth. Um, that is that you're having this um, farcical scene which is also Cleopatra's death scene. Um, a very honest woman, but something given to lie, as a woman should not do, but in the way of honesty. So you shouldn't lie except to be honest. So yeah, I heard of her just the other day, um, uh, um, how she died of the biting of it, what pain she felt. Truly, she makes a very good report of the worm. So she described really well how much pain she felt dying from the worm. Truly, she makes a very good report of the worm, but he that will believe all that they say shall never be saved by half that they do. So that would be like um, her and like Cleopatra and Caesar. Um, 
but this is most fallible, and what he means is is most infallible. That is, um, what he's about to say is absolutely reliable, but instead it becomes, but this is most fallible. The worm's an odd worm. Get thee hence, farewell. I wish you all joy of the worm. Farewell. You must think this, look you, that the worm will do his kind. Aye, aye, farewell. Look you, the worm is not to be trusted, but in the keeping of wise people, for indeed there is no goodness in the worm. Take thou no care, it shall be heeded. Very good. Give it nothing, I pray you, for it is not worth the feeding. Will it eat me? So will it eat me? You must not think I am so simple, but I know the devil himself will not eat a woman. I know that a woman is a dish for the gods if the devil dress her not. That is, if the devil doesn't prepare her for his own taste. But truly, these same horse and devils do the gods great harm in their women. For every ten that they make, the devils mar five. So the devils are doing lots of bad things to women. Well, get thee soon. Farewell. Get thee gone. Thee gone. Farewell. Yes, forsooth. I wish you joy of the worm. Give me my robe, put on my crown. I have immortal longings in me. So she's now, picking up the word immortal. That's exactly, um, she's using it seriously in the way that Shakespeare wanted us to um, understand the depth of the clown's mistake. Go on. Now no more the juice of Egypt's grape shall moist this lip. Year, year, good Iris, quick. Methinks I hear Antony call. I see him rouse himself to praise my noble act. I hear him mock the luck of Caesar, which the gods give men to excuse after their wrath. Husband, To excuse their after wrath. So the gods uh, make men lucky so that when they do bad things like um, build walls on the border or something, um, they are digging a hole for themselves to be punished. So to excuse the wrath that the gods will show on them um, for what they do when they are lucky. Husband, I come. Now to that name, my courage prove my title. So which I... name? Husband? Oh, see. Husband, yeah. That is, they're not married, but now she's describing it as a marriage. Husband, I come. Now to that name, that is the name of spouse, let's say, my courage prove my title. Let this prove that I'm entitled to it. I am fire and air, my other elements I give to baser life. So have you done? That is as she dressed. Come then and take the last warmth of my lips. Farewell, kind Charmian, Iris, long farewell. So notice that um, this is a pendant or parallel to the scene where Antony was being dressed for battle in the previous act. Um, that is that now she's being dressed for her own death. And now she's going to go see them. Long farewell. Have I the aspic in my lips, dost fall? If thou and nature can so gently part, the stroke of death is as a lover's pinch, which hurts and is desired. Dost thou lie still? If, thou, if thus thou vanishest, thou tellest the world it is not worth leave-taking. Leave so wait, 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 wait. Notice the lover's pinch, which hurts and is desired. Remember earlier she had said, think on me, 
that am with Caesar's, oh, I'm sorry, that am with Phoebus amorous pinches black and wrinkled deep in time. So the lover's pinch, the amorous pinches of the sun, um, the stroke of death, all of those are being brought together here. Dissolve thick cloud and rain, that I may say the gods themselves do weep. This proves me base. If she first met the curled Antony, I'll make demand of her and spend that kiss which is my heaven to have. So Come. she's jealous that, that Iris and Charmian may get to Antony uh, before she does. Remember, Charmian outlives the lady whom she'll serve, unlike Iris. So, but they're all dying at the same time. Come, thou mortal wretch, with thy sharp teeth, this not intrinsicate of life at once untie. Poor venomous fool, be angry and dispatch. Oh, couldst thou speak that I might hear thee call great Caesar ass on policy? Okay, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Everyone remember those two words, ass on policy, unpolicied. That is, could I, I wish that, um, I, that the worm would say Caesar is an ass without being punished. That is, unpolicied means without being um, uh, policed for what he said. That's just, that's just so funny. It is. Oh, Eastern star. Peace, peace. Dost thou not see my baby at my breast that sucks the nurse asleep? Break, oh break. As sweet as balm, as soft as air, as gentle. Oh, Antony, nay, I will take thee too. What should I stay? In this wait, wait, wild. so how does, how does she try to die? What does she want her last words to be? Antony. Yeah, she, she says, oh, Antony, if you're doing this on stage, as she's applied, she says, oh, Antony. And then she's still alive. So she goes, oh man, I'll get another one. Um, gotta make sure to die. So I'll take this other one, what should I stay? And she's just saying something practical. Um, and then um, she dies, unable to die, saying, oh, Antony. But that's part of the point of this play, is that um, the grand gesture matters less than the grandness of it's not mattering, because uh, what does matter is their relationship. And it doesn't have to be transcendent and perfect and ideal. Um, what makes it so great is that it's not ideal that this is the greatest love story Shakespeare ever told. And part of what makes it so great is that it's not um, a false two-dimensional idealization of love, which Shakespeare never does, but does least here. So she dies and Charmian finishes her sentence. What should I stay? Go on. In this wild world, so fare thee well. Now boast thee, death, in thy possession lies, alas, unparalleled. So do you hear the bizarre echo? What two words that I ask you to remember? Line 306 and 307. Ass unpolicied. Yeah. Ass unpolicied. Here they call great Caesar ass unpolicied, lass unparalleled. So, um, Cassie, do you think that's intentional? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I it's, think it's a stretch. I think it's more of a stretch 
than you're presenting it as, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you on it. It's the last class. <laughs> it's, it's the class on, <laughs> on no. objective too. Um, it's got to be, it's, if it's not consciously intentional, it has to tell you something interesting about the music of Shakespeare's composition. That is that there, that there are sounds in his mind, like musical sounds, as well as, um, as, well as uh, words um, uh, selected primarily for their meaning, and that somehow he, those sounds were in his mind and they echoed. Um, so does he want us to make the connection? Probably not. Did he make the connection um, consciously? Um, maybe not. But is there a connection there? It's hard to think that there isn't between ass unpolicied and lass unparalleled. Um, there's no, I don't think that you'll find any other echo like that of those two words echoed anywhere else in all of Shakespeare's plays. Um, I could be wrong, as Charles Barkley says. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. Um, okay, go on, Charmian. Downy windows close, and golden fevers never be never be beheld of eyes again so royal. Will crowns awry, amended, and then play. So the sun will never be seen again by eyes as royal as Cleopatra's. So the sun itself has lost its greatest spectator. What does this play mean here? Um. Oh, that that uh, she's going to do what she's what she's she's going to join the Alexandrian rebel after she um, uh, um, fixes Cleopatra's uh, Cleopatra's clown. Okay, thank um, you. And it's remembered that Cleopatra said, "I'll give thee leave to play till doomsday. Do this last thing, and I'll give thee leave to play till doomsday." That was. Um, uh, Sarah Iris, go now, noble Charmian will dispatch indeed. And um, when thou hast done this chore, I'll give thee leave to play till doomsday, bring our crown and all. And so, so she's picking up on that. She says, "Okay, she gave me leave to play till doomsday, and I'm going to be loyal, faithful to the leave that she gave me." Okay, in comes a guard. Where's the queen? Speak softly. Wake her not. Caesar hath sent. Too slow a messenger. O come apace, dispatch, I partly fill thee. So now she, this is her about to play till doomsday. Approach ho, all's not well, Caesar's beguiled. There's Dolabella sent from Caesar, call him. What work is here, Charmian, is this well done? It is well done and fitting for a princess descended of so many royal kings, ah, soldier. How goes it here? All dead. Caesar, thy thoughts touch their effects in this. Thy so you were right. In other words, you thought something would happen and it happened. Go on. Thyself art coming to see performed the dreaded act which thou so sought to hinder. Away there, away from Caesar. Oh, sir, you are too sure in augurer that you did fear that fear that that you did fear is done. So do we think too slow a messenger and too sure an augur echo? Okay, I see that expression. Uh, did I sign Caesar to someone? Okay, uh, Tommy, you be Caesar. Tommy, do you have a microphone? If, 
I don't know that he does. He often doesn't. Um, okay, uh, Tish, why don't you be Caesar? Oh, he says he's coming on with a microphone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah okay. Yep. Okay, Tommy, you be Caesar. Uh, in the meantime, Nicole says, could it be said that the bite is in fact immortal since its effect will never die? Yes, I think that's one of the important resonances of immortal. Okay, Caesar. Um, let's see. Uh, so you were at, um, I'm at Bravest at the Last? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bravest at the Last. She leveled at our purposes and being royal took her own way. The manner of their death, I do not see them bleed. Who was last with them? A simple countryman that brought her figs. This was his basket. Poison, then. Oh, Caesar, this Charmian lived but now. She stood and spake. I found her trimming up the diadem of her dead mistress. Tremblingly she stood and on the sudden dropped. Oh, noble weakness. If they had swallowed poison, twould appear by external swelling. But she looks like sleep as she would catch another Antony in her strong toil of grace. So she's Here. so beautiful. And another, his, this is the last version of an Antony. Another Antony. She's so beautiful as though she would try and capture another Antony um, by the way she looks. Dolbella. Here on her breast, there is a vent of blood and something blown. The like is on her arm. This is an aspic's trail, and these fig leaves have slime upon them much as the aspic leaves upon the caves of Nile. Most probable that so she died, for her physician tells me she hath pursued conclusions infinite of easy ways to die. Take up her bed and bear her woman from the monument she shall be buried by her Antony. No grave upon the earth shall clip in it a pair so famous. High events as these strike those that make them, and their story is no less in pity than his glory which brought them to be lamented. So their story is full of pity, but I'm full of glory. So he does pity them, but he is still looking after himself. Our army shall in solemn show attend this funeral, and then to Rome. Come, Dolabella high order in this great solemnity. All right, you guys. We did the whole thing. Thank you Woo! for sticking through. Congratulations. Um, so I guess um, next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we will do the Dryden play. Just kidding. But I hope you guys have other interesting things to do while you're social distancing um, and that you stay safe and healthy. And I know you have interesting things to do in paper writing. So I will look forward to your papers. But thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Good, good, good May. Good summers. Good, um, good health to you all. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you.